Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today we have Netflix 192nd film from 2019. It's the Hindi comedy called House Arrest. It's directed by Samit Basu and Shajanka Ghosh. It stars Ali Fazal, Shira Pilgagaka, Jim Saab and Barka Singh. I'm Jesse and I'm here with MJ. How are you? Good, good. It's been a while since I've done an Indian film. I've missed the last couple um, and there's there's plenty of them. So I uh, one thing I do enjoy about the Indian films is that they don't, they're not specific to one genre. Netflix is definitely just blanketing Indian films and, and just picking, I guess, filmmakers that they're interested in and, and, uh, and getting as much content out there as they can. Cool. I think uh, you know one of the biggest populations in the world. You might as well make some content for the most eyeballs that are available. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Sure does. I should work in marketing. Um, we we start our fast weeks <laughs> off with a quick summary of what the film's all about. What is House Arrest about for you? House Arrest is a man who voluntarily chooses to remain permanently in his house. And he's confronted with two conundrums that dramatically alter the outlook of his day. Nice. I like that. It's a good little, uh, good little insight into what goes on. I've uh, got a big broad thing. I've just said it's a man who decides to shut himself off from the physical world, but may have no choice but to join it. Oh, yeah. I like that mm-hmm. one. That's good. As always, we are going to spoil this film. So uh, if you haven't seen House Rest and want to see it, give us a pause, come back later on, um, and that will lead us into what we found out about how this came to Netflix. Could you find anything? Yeah. Yeah. Look, as I said, I've said in the past, if I jump on Wikipedia and there's nothing in there about like <laughs> the production of the film, I know we're generally in a little bit of strife. And this, this film as well felt like a very small film in terms of how many people have seen it and logged it and all that kind of stuff. So I was, I was battling, battling up, up a hill to try and, uh, to put it cleanly, um, <laughs> to try and find some information. What I, what I did find is uh, in April 2019, Netflix had a big announcement um, that they were continuing their investment in Indian content. And at that stage, they'd announced 10 new original films, um, House Arrest being one of those 10. So th- as I sort of touched on earlier, they're, they're really trying to pave their way to become the home of a lot of Indian content. Um, and as you said, there's a massive population there. So, so why not go for it? And there's a lot of great Indian filmmakers. Um, so what, what a great opportunity to house and give opportunities for them to make, make films that they might not have had the opportunity or the budget to do otherwise. So basically there was an 18 month period from mid 2019 where Netflix commissioned and released 15 new original films on their platform. And uh, as I, I read a quote from Sristri Bell Araya, who is the uh, the director of the Indian arm of Netflix, um, or sorry, international international original film arm, and the head of Indian part of Netflix. So obviously, Netflix company. Um, and, and he basically said, "We want to be a home for India's finest filmmakers, where their stories travel to more people than ever before." And I think that's. India's always been a massive, massive on the on the scene of of making films, particularly Bollywood films are probably the, the ones that people outside of India have heard of or might have been exposed to. But th- there's a there's a, there's a vast amount of filmmakers out there who are making films that that everyone should and could and and we've seen a few 
doing this podcast that are great movies that we wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. So uh, Netflix is just a perfect avenue to, to give them that reach outside of just India. So House Arrest being one of those films that was, was on that slate. Um, the film itself, as you said, comedy film in, in Hindi language. Uh, we've seen these, these Hindi films before where they do have a real mixture of English and, and Hindi, and I guess that's just the way they, they talk. Um, yeah. I, I can't offer any more guidance on that. The film itself was released on the 15th of November 2019, obviously directly to Netflix. I, I did find it interesting that the day before the film was released, and I'm not saying this has anything to do with how threat house the rest specifically, but the news did come out that Netflix India's revenue was up by 700%. Obviously to do with everything I've just spoken about, not because House Arrest came out, but it just goes to show that this, this growth in um, in the Indian arm of, of Netflix is is really prosperous from a financial perspective as well. Wow. That was excellent. I love listening to that. That was a really good context because I... Uh didn't really have anything along those lines. So um, that was interesting to me. I, I, this, this film sort of uh, mentions or deals with this Japanese idea, the um, hikikomori, which is that severe social withdrawal. And I just thought it was interesting just to look into a little bit of, of that, I guess, because obviously they, they mention it quite a bit in this film and about how it impacts adolescents and young adults in Japan and, and about, you know, recluses in their homes and unable to go to work for months or for years. And, I just thought I'd look into it a little bit more because I hadn't actually heard of it before. And I thought it was an interesting little, mm. uh, little take on, on what goes on. And in 2020, it was estimated that around a million people in Japan suffered from this. Um, and in Japan, they don't necessarily really connect this or recognize this as much for females because unfortunately, the, the Japanese society and the culture still expects females to adopt domestic roles and withdraw from society anyway. So the numbers could be a lot more high, mm. like a lot higher than that anyway. So I just thought it was interesting that I learned something from this film about this idea of, of severe inability to, to deal with society. Um, and even weirder was there was this weird trailer for this film that was like a minute long. It was like a little teaser trailer almost where this film's really full characters, I guess. I don't know if you saw this trailer and it was literally um, Pinky, JD and Sarah, three of the main characters where they're standing outside the, the door of Quran. And it's like the camera's looking through the, the eye hole of the door and they literally give away the, they're asking him to open the door and in doing that they give away the whole plot of the film in this one little minute trailer <laughs> which i thought was quite quite interesting i um, mean the trailer doesn't make sense with things that actually happen in the film anyway so i just thought that was a random little thing to add in um translations around the world for this one spanish it's called prisoner at home in portuguese it's called stuck at home so all similar sorts of themes greece it's called home restriction and in vietnam it's called voluntary confinement so uh Nice little plays on the, the word house arrest across the world. So I have two questions off the back of what you've just spoken about. One, yep. how different is this, um, phobia is probably the wrong word, but how different is it to agoraphobia? Because it just, it sounds like agoraphobia, but I, I wonder if there's just like a modern take on it with the way society is, it, is right now. And yeah. I know the, the inability to want to leave your home and, and go to, spaces with a lot of people is agoraphobia that's kind of yeah. just what i thought of it maybe it's just the key word is um adolescence that's what they're they're aiming for maybe younger people i suppose yeah that yeah it's hitting people at a younger age it must have so much to do with mental health issues um and the other thing you were talking about with a trailer so obviously some trailers do spoil films and that always bothers me but a film like this that may not be watched by many people did the, did the trailer entice you? Was it was a good trailer, even though it spoiled the film? 
Not really. It was just a minute of three characters okay. talking about to this dude trying to ask him to come outside the house. I'm like, okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> there, there, is a, there is a real trailer, which uh, like goes for like two minutes. That actually, you know, is a put together trailer. This was like, a, it was almost like a teaser trailer. It was weird. Super yeah, weird yeah. and really hard bit to of find. Fun. Um, yeah, a bit of fun. Because um, it's cool. a high concept idea, right? So, I mean, if you can have fun with that and people go, oh, I'm, I'm happy to watch a movie about a weird dude who's not leaving his house. That's hmm. What's the consensus on this one? What are people saying? <clears throat> well, the very few people that have actually loved this film. Um, I love it. There's a lot of negative reviews out there. Not not scathing reviews, more, more along the lines of concept was cool. The um, It didn't really come together too well, but... 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb with 1,600 ratings. 2.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Only 381 ratings. I know I've said this before, Jesse, but maybe when we put our log in here, we might actually impact that 2.5. Well, one person has watched it on Letterboxd since I checked, so um, <laughs> it was 380. So well done. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, there's only three reviews, so no percentage, all negative. Not one audience member has got on there to give it a rating, so... Uh, yeah, I think it ties in very closely with not a lot of people uh, in the Western world, I guess, checking this one out. Who knows how many people have actually watched it yeah. in India? Yeah. Although I dare say that uh, we might be one of the first uh, English-speaking podcasts to dissect this film. I'd probably put money on that one. Uh, I'd say so. <laughs> <laughs> what are your early thoughts on this one? My early thoughts? Um, I guess I would do a spoiler alert before I do. My early thoughts. I don't think I'm going to spoil it just yet, but we will spoil this film at some point during this conversation. So if you haven't seen House Arrest, and not many of you have, and you do, and you do want to watch it, then uh, have a watch. Then you must have uh, you us. must have missed my one at the start. You weren't listening to me. <laughs> We've got two now, so you would next doubly, doubly. Uh, it won't be spoiled. I, you know what? It doesn't even ring a bell that you that you did one. So. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies I'm on, we're on autopilot we've done so many of these um house arrest i i enjoyed this i was surprised when i saw the the ratings of this film i thought it was light and fun i thought they created some stakes there were there were characters looking to overcome challenging circumstances and there was a genuine connection between the two leads despite the fact that it had a real cartoonish feel to it at times I think House Arrest was actually much more nuanced and thoughtful at its heart than it actually appeared to be. And uh, I, had, I had a good time watching this. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I, I had a 95% match on Netflix for this. 95%. That's large. It's huge. So guaranteed that I'm going to enjoy this one, apparently. Um, yeah, you liked it. No doubt. Yeah, you liked it. Definitely. I, I, I can't help but go back to your start where you're like, you know, Netflix and India, they, they cover such a broad range of, of genres because, I mean, this was like trying to put all of them in one together. Like, just didn't quite know what it was. It was like a thriller. It was a comedy. It was a love story. And, you know, I think for me, watching this in 2022, especially after being forced to live in lockdowns over the last few years, I found it really hard to empathise with a person who's choosing to lock themselves in a house. That That's what really... Uh, it's frustrated me a little bit, but I, there is a good idea in there somewhere. And I think if you take that whole suitcase plot out, this could have been a really, really good film. Um, My question to you, Jesse, which I was going to do later on, was does this film get made post-pandemic? You know, like this film was made in 2019 where the idea yeah. of staying at home was really novel. And mm. literally three years on, it's like, oh, that's been done. Everyone did it. So why yeah. is this thing? I, I thought the and exact you, same thing. And you probably wouldn't, be able to get an audience to be like 
in these days, yeah, I want to watch a film about someone stuck in a house. It doesn't, it's like brings back too much trauma, too many bad memories. It's like, let's move on. All right. Let's it's aged really time. badly, really quickly. <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> let's talk about some characters. Talk about, there's only a couple in this one, but what have you got? I got Quran played by Ali Fazal. I don't know much about the the Indian, um, you know, movie scene. And I, I feel like this guy's got a bit of a following. Everything I kind of read about this film was I watched it because of him or he does a great job or, you know, it's so great to see him in the film. So I guess he's a bit of a draw card as, as an actor. Um, but Quran, the character, the idea is that he's been burnt by the world and he's responded, I suppose, somewhat irrationally by refusing to leave his house. And, and this has turned into a fully-fledged phobia, which you assume has kind of happened over time. But we see a man who has probably rationalized his decision to a certain extent. Like, he worked too hard. He was never home. As a result, his wife left him. So he worked to make all this money. He made a lot of money, money to put into his house, and he was never at his house. Logic says, oh, you know what? I'm going to spend more time at my house. Um, so he stopped working and he stayed at home and he had enough money to do so. And I appreciated the, it took me, it was about 20 minutes. I was like, how's this guy afford to do this? But they, mm-hmm. they, they do tell you, but you know, he continues to trade stocks. He had a lot of money anyway. Uh, he eventually failed to see any reason to leave. And I'm okay with this whole idea. I'm, I'm buying it. I understand where he's come from and how he's got to that point. He got really, really burnt. Um, his wife left him for his boss. That, that sort of stuff has that emotional trauma attached to it. But I kind of like that he never shoots down the idea of leaving the house. I think deep, deep, deep into his brain, he's like, I can't do it. But then he does know on the surface that I'm going to have to do it one day because he expects to and, and he wants to leave the house. And Syrah sort of asks the questions and pushes him in the right amount of way to make him properly consider doing it. Um, and I think that part of the storyline works for me too. I think what makes this film relatable, if it is relatable in any ways, is that he really is a normal guy. And I know they men- they literally mention that, like, oh, you're a normal guy. He's a normal guy with an irrational fear. And that's important because people, everyone who has a phobia or an irrational fear is generally a normal person. And there's one person, one part of their life that they just cannot nut, they cannot crack, sorry. And, and this is just an example of that. Really, yeah, doesn't leave much for me. I, um, I think you, the the idea that you mentioned of being sick of the world and and wanting to do something for yourself, it's a nice uh, a nice little thought at times because how often do we have the opportunity to sit down and and be like, cool, I'm going to take a full day, a full week, you know, nine months to to just be like, cool, I'm just going to do what I want to do, mm. put a little bit of work in there to make sure I can still survive. But you know, he helps out people with driving lessons from the house and things like that, like just these little. Little things that are quite nice. Um, I think there's, there's a little bit of OCD in him as well. I think that sort of uh, they, they oh, yeah. show him cleaning a lot and making sure everything's straight and perfect. And, and quite funny that the pictures on the wall behind at times were often on angles um, to sort of further emphasise that. So some good some good choices in in highlighting the character. And um, yeah, I think as you mentioned too, and this probably leads into Sarah a little bit that, that the moments between the two of them were were quite good. And I think her ability to what she could out of him in being there and then him reflecting and, and being able to sort of uh, adapt and realize himself throughout that, you know, there are some good things outside in the world and outside my door. Um, it was nice. And that, that led me to really liking yeah. Sarah as a character too. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought initially she was quite forthcoming and pushy, but I liked the fact that she listened every time she, she asked a question 
and she asked good questions at the right level of curiosity and she tried to understand um, what everything meant, why he was making this decision as opposed to just asking him for the sake of it and getting the answer and here's my story. Like, I, I think deep down, you kind of thought that she wanted to try this concept because uh, it wasn't working so well for her the other way. So I, the thing that bothered me a little bit is I don't know if I ever really bought her being with JD. That part of the story didn't fit. Um, but I liked her. I liked her with her own baggage and, and this, this real sense of loneliness to her. Similar to what you said, I like this couple. I think they worked really well together. The scenes that they were in together were the better scenes of the films. And I'm all for this whole feeling a connection when you first meet type romance story. As long as you can make me as an audience member believe it, I think it's great. These guys met for half a day and they felt this incredibly strong connection. And I don't think that's that's a far-fetched approach. And I think you do it well and you've got a really good story there. Yeah, I um. You mentioned like you didn't really buy the, her relationship with JD. I didn't buy her as a journalist. I mean, she rocks up to the house without a notebook, <laughs> no laptop, no voice recorder. Like, what, what was she actually doing? I, I thought I missed a voice recorder because she was asking <laughs> questions and I'm like, oh, she must have pressed play or something. I didn't see it. So she no. just didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, JD, what do, what do, you, what do you think about JD? <laughs> just say is there a man in the world who looks more like sasha baron cohen <laughs> good yeah i thought the same <laughs> it's like the indian sasha baron cohen it was it was ridiculous how much you look like him jd is interesting though because was he good or bad like he went from like this nothing character at the start who was just sort of there to see his side of car and to this super villain who was just a massive asshole to everybody that we cared about to what I think was like a good friend or matchmaker. And I still don't really know where I sit with him, but I think it's good. I think he did a good thing, but I'm not sure because he was a bit of an asshole. I, I think I looked at it and said, okay, so he's a good, a good person in relation to his friendship with Quran. But other than that, he's a womanizer, a harasser and a manipulator. Like the only reason that he sent her over to his house was that so she'd think he was a loser and want to come back to him. So I don't think that was the no. case. No, I don't think that was the I, case. No, so really? I think he played that role because he knew that would connect Karen and Syrah together. Basically, they can hate on JD together. But I still think he's a womanizer. But when he got so angry about the whole... Because he basically needed Karen to really admit that he liked it, liked Syrah. And by doing that, he made himself become like a threat. He's like, all right, well, if you don't want her, I'll have her. So Karen can truly realize. Because that phone conversation they had with him on the toilet when he was just like, you did all this on purpose, didn't you? Like, you you wanted me to get jealous. You did all this. And he's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about, like, but like smirking. That's why that, that final scene with him kind of worked. But then the damage was yeah, so already done already for me done. that he was such a prick. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't like him anyway. I just thought he was, yeah, real sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I put Pinky yeah, in. That's um, fair. I put Pinky and Rambo together as characters because what a what a weird thing to see on screen. Like, I, I haven't seen a, a combo of characters that I thought was more awkward, that I didn't like, that was just ridiculous and actually was not needed. Like, yeah, that's I don't know what else to say. Yeah, Pinky was annoying. I, everything you said is correct. Um, her presence is what made this movie seem cartoonish. But I do think that that vibe and tone that she and her story brings to the film is what makes the movie 
jump off the page a little bit more. As in, like, I enjoyed the Kara and Cyrus story, but it's pretty bland without the rest of it. And I don't even know if it gets made unless you've got this, this, this tone that it brings. And it doesn't have that tone without her. I agree. I, I, there's, there's things about it that just flat out didn't work. Um, but what you said, that you don't think you've ever seen a character or a pairing like this ever on screen before, that's kind of cool. It's something new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's a giant and a short little uh, Indian Barbie. That's literally what it was. Oh, it was um, enormous. It was huge. huge. I, did, there was outtakes at the end of the, like as the credits yes. rolled. And just like carrying people around. He's so big. That man, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, the directors, anything that you could pick up on either of them? Was it Simit Basu wrote the film and then directed it alongside Shashanka Ghosh? So this was Basu's writing and directing debut. So obviously sort of jumped on board the Shashanka Ghosh train to, I guess, have that little bit of stability. So Shashanka Ghosh has directed four or five features, nominated for a couple of awards. Nothing I've heard of, but obviously a little bit of skin in the game. Nothing more from me to add. So that leads us into some scenes that we enjoyed. What are some moments in this film that you enjoyed? I, I thought I had a really good opening montage, basically to set up uh, Karan, his life, what he's doing, how meticulous he is, how clean he is, the ability for him not to leave his house. But generally sets up an overall happy, positive guy. Uh, you know the movie's called House Arrest, so you get the idea he's not going to leave his house. I think he mutters under his breath at one stage in the montage, day 279, so you know that it's been happening for a long time. But it was basically just a two-minute montage to set up the entire premise, and it did it really, really well. Um, cool. The next thing I liked, I'm so unsure where you're going to sit on this one, <laughs> but I thought the phone call stuff was really good. I, I thought... Especially in a low budget. <laughs> you, just you knew that I wasn't going to like it, didn't you? I, I didn't think you were going to like it. But I thought in a low budget film for them to actually bring, and they, it, again, it, it ties into that tone that we've seen, um, have them in the room. And I, I think it makes things, I think it makes the actors work off each other a lot better. I, I liked it every time it happened. I thought it was really good. It was almost like they looked up, how do we do that Star Trek transporter sort of special effect? And we'll do it really crappily so it makes it look like they appear in the room. And then we'll have a conversation and it just looks really awkward. And then we'll make them disappear. I don't know. I just, yeah, no. Didn't work for me. <laughs> I mean, the transition stuff didn't bother me either way. But I, I like them having them in the room because it was so good. They never, like, made eyes with each other. And they just kind of did their... I don't know. I thought it was good. I thought it was clever. Cool. Um, but I didn't think you would. So I, I, this is not <laughs> yeah, new, me too, well. new to me. I, yeah. I knew how to. Yeah, you don't like phone phone stuff in movies. No, <laughs> it's like text on screen or. Um, there was after um, JD had kind of basically burnt them both, and um, Sarah kind of lets her guard down a bit, drops the shred, opens up, and I love it when she says to him, "You're completely normal." why don't you go out? Like, it's just at the crux of everything. She's like, all right, I've done my research. Everything suggests that you're this normal dude. I cannot figure out why you don't go out. And I just thought it was a really nice moment and a really, really great human question to ask someone. Um, just uh, just really worked for me. I also liked, I liked the tennis scene that they were playing the, the, Wii, the Wii tennis or whatever. Just, I, I think I just, these, I liked the connection between these two characters, but I, I also liked how they were bringing her into the room with the um with the suitcase i kind of was always wondering how that was going to happen and it happened really organically 
Um, and it was just fun. It was funny watching him trying to get in there and, and close the suitcase without her realizing. They both actually had really nice tennis strokes. It, it, it didn't look silly. Um, that sort of stuff's all got to... Scraping the barrel account. to find things that you like and it's geez, good tennis strokes. Hey, but these guys, <laughs> these guys, if it looked bad, you'd notice it. So I think you've got to call it out. Um, and the last thing I liked, which... I think we, we're still a bit unsure about was was the scene where JD calls up when he's sitting on the toilet and he says like, oh, I'm at this club or whatever, which is, so you know he's lying. And that's when you realise that his intention was to actually get these two people together. And um, I kind of wasn't expecting to be, um, to feel any sort of twist in this film. I didn't think this film was going to be clever enough to get me, but it got me that I wasn't expecting JD to actually come through with the goods for his mate. And um yeah, it was kind of, and it made me really confused about him as a character, but uh, I liked the scene. Yeah, it means his whole character meant nothing. <laughs> I, think, um, I think what you said was good, though. He's a good friend, but he's still a terrible, terrible man person. in yeah. terms of the way he treats women. Like, like yeah. but, he, but he's a good mate. True, good. All right. uh, for me, I mentioned this, I guess, in passing already, but most of the scenes between Karan and Syrah getting to know each other I just, I just enjoyed. I just enjoyed the conversations between them, getting to know each other, um, and especially the scene where uh, Karan talks about his ex-wife and how that happened, and link, linking it into Sarah not trusting people. I just really thought that was a nice moment um, between the two. And yeah. the other thing, I I really like the end. I think just showing that uh, we've spent an hour and a half with a character locked inside a house, and the one thing that he's going to leave that house for, and him leaving and chasing for that, was just really nice. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Um, what didn't you like in this one? I didn't like that there was that storage closet in his house that had some cardboard boxes in it, but there was always like heaps of room there for the suitcase. Like always. Every time I saw it, you could, and they'd like push the suitcase in and pretend like they were pushing against things, but like there was always room in there. Like <laughs> take another 10 minutes to get like a few more boxes and put them in there so it's actually cluttered. Uh, I thought that was sloppy. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to say that the tennis strokes look good, I've got to call out this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm the same. I really love the the connection between um, Karen and Sarah, and I love the, the the dialogue a lot of them had with, a lot of the times they had with each other. I wonder if it bothered me they lost a little bit of chemistry. I thought in that sex scene um, when she sort of says, "Do you remember the basics?" I'll let you Google. I just yeah. it just felt a bit off for me. But I, I also think I'm clutching at straws a little bit to find things I didn't like. Um, and then for me, the end was really jerky. Not the final scene that you spoke about, the scene when Pinky and Rambo come yeah. in um, and basically cause chaos. But the idea of like Pinky just like wanted to kill Karen, Rambo just says, love. <laughs> and it kind of changes the course of everything. And then it was weird that Pinky was the voice of reason for reason. Karan to leave. Obviously, Syrah was the reason that he left. But when she was like, oh, go get him. I was like, Pinky's not the one that should be convincing you. That whole thing was just kind of a bit funky and a bit messy. And uh, it kind of is the reason why this film didn't really elevate for me. Good. Yeah. I'll lead into that and just say anything that Pinky, any scene that she was in, um, just I hated anything that she was in. So um, <laughs> I just think the over sexualization of her and like her offering herself to look after like this body in a bag. Uh, it just it just didn't sit right. It didn't sit right at all. Like if you've got your standover man, you use him as the the forcing point 
to being like, cool, you have no choice. I don't need to give you anything. I've got a, a big tall dude that's going to beat the living daylights out of you if you don't take this bag. Um, and then there's, like a, then there's like the scene with her dancing at the, the wedding that was just <laughs> ridiculous and out of control and didn't add anything to this film. Um, <laughs> the, you got to see Rambo head. dance. Uh... Yeah, true. Hilarious. Um, the eggplant <laughs> falling like out of the bag and then him trying to retrieve it with a vacuum. Like it just wasn't funny. I know it was trying to land for a laugh. Wasn't funny. Stupid. Um, I don't think it was the, funny. I think it was more trying to sh- highlight the extent of where he's at with his phobia. You, know, you mentioned it already that we we had a, an excellent montage at the start that already told us that, so we didn't need it. Um, true. Fire hydrant. There just happens to be a fire hydrant lying in the middle of a, the floor in a house oh, yeah. that you can use to knock someone out. Like it was just lame. Um, <laughs> Sarah rocks up at Karan's place, and his front door just happened to be open. And she just walked in. It was just open. I don't even get it. <laughs> every, other, every, every other person rings that doorbell. And that doorbell goes off all the time. And she just like opened the door. And, like snuck in. But she was knocking for ages, wasn't she? But then the door just opened. He didn't even open it for oh. her. Yeah, but my front door's not locked when I'm home. Really? I must be. I'm like this dude. I get my I door locked I'm... all the time. <laughs> <laughs> not when I'm home. No, it's okay. open. Okay. All right. Um, Unlo- it's not open, but it's unlocked. Unlocked. That's crazy. Um, Last one, um, Zara's story about Japan and then like this guy holding pink panties and wagging it as a flagpole <laughs> just to get like, just to get pigeons to fly. What a useless story. What a useless story. Uh, yeah, I'm done. You, right, you haven't held back. No. What are some themes and some ideas in this one that you enjoyed? Well, that uh, obviously big, a big theme uh, is agoraphobia is what I've called it, um, you know. There are films about agoraphobia. This is a film, if anyone asks you, it's about agoraphobia. Um, what I loved about this this theme that, that they've discussed here is the idea of work-life balance. I don't think we see enough movies where the premise of the film is discussing work-life balance. And I think it's that's really important. And whilst this um, concept has aged a little bit due to the last couple of years being you know, locked down basically all across the world, I'd love to see more films that really focus on work-life balance without having to be such a downer, uh, without having to be such a, I worked myself to the brink and now I'm utterly depressed and considering suicide. You know, you get those really dark films that do it. I think I like the idea that they tried to do a light story about work-life balance. And uh, I'm, I'm very passionate about work-life balance. I think it's something that should be discussed more and people should take a lot more care in the way that they approach it. So I appreciated that it was a, a core theme of this film. Um, and then finally, the idea of public perceptions and, and public pressures. You know, everyone was just so um, interested in getting this man out of his house. And I know there was a level of people who cared about him wanting to do it, but everyone else just thought it was a novelty. And it's like, why? Why care about this guy? He's made a decision. He seems to be completely sane and happy with it. And you do you kind of thing. Excellent. Yeah. I- I guess it leads in a little bit like the world can be a bad place with people in your workplace betraying you with your family, or not your family, mm. but your your partners betraying you, your best friends not being there for you when you need them. Um, and then men, I guess, in general and their poor behavior through JD, like the way he treated um, Siren was pretty ordinary. Um, just even the phone conversations, like it was just gross. Um, the, oh, yeah. Like strangers too can you trust a stranger can you could you just open your house to some random that you've never met before and be like cool let's get to know each other um when i haven't left the home in so long 
And I think that that's um, a little bit of a, a good commentary too on um, a little bit of love. I know it's like a little bit of a blatant thing, but um, that they sort of throw through through Rambo, but it was nice to see, like I felt like they could fall in love with these two. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And the last thing too, like you've already touched on stuff, but the urbanized isolate, isolation too, like the addictions to technology, um, like phones connecting to the world. This is something that I'd seen in a lot of the Netflix Indian films. Like um, she was constantly on her phone in this as well. And I know that a lot of the texts were coming through from JD, uh, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like how do you stay connected if you are locked down, if you're, if you're trapped somewhere? So yeah, good. It's actually so... Um, so relatable though because even if you wanted to have a proper a proper look at what society is doing right now everyone's spending 80 percent of their time on their phone like mm. even recently I've, I've put a block on how much social media i can use when my phone tells me to stop and there's the other day i was it was like three o'clock and it's like you've got five minutes left for the whole day and i'm like that's just shocking <laughs> that i was on there for that long like that it, long. That, we don't even realize it half the time yeah just constant scrolling um what oh, did you take God. away from this one all right, this is my takeaway that I, I think it's I think it kind of tries to displace your concerns about and to be honest, your concerns and like everyone else who watched this film seems to have the same concerns. But I kind of like the fact that there is this suitcase in the other room. I, I think it allows for this lingering unresolved tension. Uh, the idea that something can go wrong at any time, and whilst I'm still stuck in and I'm enjoying this conversational story between Quran and Syrah. I know that like something's going to happen or something's going to go wrong. And I think this movie really, really needed it. And I'm as much a sucker for dialogue movies as anybody, but I think this, this movie took itself out a little bit by adding that in. And, and I thought that was really important because every now and then I'd forget about it. Like I forgot there's a suitcase in the other room. Something's going to happen with that suitcase. It's not going to end well. And uh, that little bit of tension made the film better than what it could have been. I really like your take on it. I think that, like, yeah, definitely. I think that it didn't, it did create that, um, that tension that you did feel concerned. But for me, I think, like, I would have felt more tension in his inability to interact with or step outside if they, because I think it was disappointing that the, the thing or the whole thing or the whole idea about this film is, is a guy with a serious mental condition and that it's barely addressed, really. Like, they don't, they don't mm. really go into the depths of the details of it or, or show, some more insight into it. Like, yeah, we get a passing comment about, you know, his family wanting to leave the house. Well, what, 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 why isn't he willing to go spend time with his family? Why doesn't he have his family over? He might be happy to stay in his house, but why don't they come over? Like things like that, just a little bit more of a touch on that, I guess. You're right. That's a really good point. I mean, I know this film markets itself as being a quirky comedy, but um, there is a level of responsibility when dealing with something like this. Yeah. Did you go into IMDb to look anyone up? You know, I, I genuinely had to go on to make sure this wasn't actually Sasha Baron Cohen in character. Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he looked so much like him. Obviously, it wasn't. But <laughs> I, I don't often jump on in the Indian films because I don't oh, recognise a lot of the cast, but I still jumped on. Fair. <laughs> All right. Do you have any questions that you wanted to ask? The only one I had was whether the... And I don't know if you answered it, but do you reckon this movie gets made post-COVID? No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, it's too uh, it does too, no. too real yeah it's uh, too it's it's not like a unique story anymore yeah exactly um i I got, I got two so if you bubble wrap someone stuff their mouth with plastic and then give them sleeping pills before locking them in an enclosed space surely they die 
yeah, look, I, this this guy, I mean, he had several several concussions off on the back of that as well. Um, yeah. I don't know what Rambo did to him, but it wouldn't have been light. Some brain hemorrhages. So or what's going on? It's, um, yeah, this guy's in a bit of strife. Is it? Uh, did, he, did he kill him? No, he didn't kill him in the end, did he? No, no, he didn't let him go. He's going to work from now. Um, yeah, that's it. The last one, and I've got a. I think I've got an answer for this, but why does Quran keep getting deliveries to his place that aren't his? I think that's the the gag. That's like it's not clear what floor is on, right? Okay, I, yeah, I I just thought maybe it was like a little bit of a comment on like the the density of the living area in India and like how they keep showing the shots and he, one of his pastimes is observing all the people that live around him and stuff. But that was I don't know. But yeah, if that's a gag, then sure, take it. <laughs> All right, we are ready to finish this one off. What are your final thoughts for this one? I think I think the mix between the cartoonish crime cartel shenanigans mixed in with the story of two people who are lost and finding a connection together was a really tough balance. And a balance that I think worked basically up until the, the finale, um, where it kind of <laughs> got a bit derailed. But regardless, I was, I was generally into this film. I, I was okay with the childish humour because I was into the main character and his story. And in a weird way, it all kind of came together pretty nicely. I'm giving it a three. I was very close to giving it a three and a half. Wow, um, wow, wow, so, wow. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. Good, I'm glad. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I mean, like, for me, like, I'm sort of touched on this, but the focus for this picture should have been on a man who struggles with the world that's let him down. And how putting some trust in a person, falling in love and wanting to be with that person breaks that depression and can be redeeming. And I think that's what this movie could have been. But unfortunately, it was sort of missing this and sort of makes it a bit of a mess. And I get the tension that's brought in through that suitcase and things like that because that does add to the story. But in good or better hands, that could have been a story that I really would have enjoyed. And that's probably what I wish I got out of this. Uh, but I was, I was thinking a two. Give it a two. Two out of five. I think your thoughts are the consensus that I read online. Everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, cool idea. I don't know how well it came together. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're on socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, this is a bit of a random one to relate to our big, tall uh, henchman. What's a better film, Rocky or Rambo? Oh, goodness. Some just two style I mean, Sylvester Stallone films. Now. I mean, like Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> like they're very different at least they are very different i because i like rambo more i think rambo is a, yeah. a a great commentary on what was going on in the world at the time whereas you know rocky's just done the same thing i guess and it's just got that famous uh famous song that everyone knows those famous stairs oh, rocky's and... a good against the odds sports movie yeah, true, true, whereas true. rambo is just a real hardcore action action film true very different films i like that all right we are back <laughs> next week for an animated film. Pretty sure you've seen this one from 2019. I have. Christmas film Claws. It's directed by Sergio Pablos. It stars the voices of Jason, Jason the Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, Nita Marguerite Labber, Sergio Pablos as well, Norm MacDonald, and Joan Cusack again. Joan Cusack. This is going to test our theory. That's true. There's going to add two Christmas films, actually. This is going to test our theory again about watching Christmas films outside of Christmas because... I have seen this film. Obviously, I saw it at Christmas time. Um, it'll be interesting to rewatch it uh, in the middle of the year. Good. I haven't seen. I always wanted to see it, but I haven't. So I sat on it, which would be nice to actually see. Um, probably only our second animated film out of nearly two hundred. Goodness, I never thought of that. I think 
possibly. We did the uh, the Japanese one, Blam. Blam. I think that's about it. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, it's good. Two. A second. Let's get onto it. I'm excited. Yeah. Wow. Good call. Good. All right. Well, um, looking forward to that as always. And thanks for this one too. Was, I'm glad that you enjoyed that. Three is, that's good. Good, good. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was nearly a lot more, Jesse. So. <laughs> Come on. You must have been tired or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good right. movie. Good. As always, I will see you next week. I'll see you then.